0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message.
1: Thank God for the Word of God, the name of Jesus. We have authority over the devil. Man, that's just good news right there. You know, there's a lot of folks that don't even realize that, that they have authority over the devil. But we do. We can cast them out. And if you can cast out demons, how much more can you keep them out of your own life? Right? We don't have to let the devil just come in and mess with us and harass us and oppress us. We can cast them out. We can drive them out. Man, they tremble at the name of Jesus. They tremble at that name. when you speak that name in faith... Now, you know, there's a lot of folks that use the name as a curse word. You know, they just throw his name around, and there's no faith in it. There's no respect for it. There's no honor, you know, honoring that name. And so, therefore, you know, they don't see the power of God. But for those that believe in who he is and what he has done, he came. And you understand, he came for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do. And one of the works the devil's working in the world, in people's lives, is working unrighteousness and sin in people's lives. He's the tempter. He's behind causing people to fall into sin. Why we go all the way back to the very beginning. Man didn't just sin. Man was tempted first. The devil was behind man sinning. He was the one that inspired it. So if we use the name of Jesus, we don't have to be a victim to sin. We don't have to be a victim to sin. We don't have to be controlled by temptation, by addictions, by habits. Things don't have to grip us and control us and dominate our lives. Thank God we can walk in dominion over everything in this world where nothing is controlling us. I love what the Apostle Paul said. He said, all things are lawful for me. You know, because some people say, is it okay to do this? Is it, is, it, is it wrong to do this? Is it sin to do this? Is it sin to do this? I love what Paul said. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. And that's repeated in a couple different places. You know, that was, that was such a big thing that it's actually repeated in a couple different places in Paul's writings. He said... I will not be brought under the power of anything. I'm not going to let anything dominate me. Not even a Starbucks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess with anybody this morning. I'm just saying. You know, people can, people can let all kinds of the most ridiculous things dominate their lives. But you don't have to let it. You don't have to let it. I don't know about you. I like being in control. I like being in control. I like having dominion. And then when God created man in the very beginning, he said, let them have dominion over the earth. So that was God's plan from the very beginning. He didn't say, let them be dominated. He didn't say that. He didn't say, let them be dominated. Let them be controlled. Let them be oppressed. He said, let them have dominion, which is absolute rule and authority. Total control. Total control. Total control. Jesus came to give us total control back over our lives. Adam sold out to the devil and he lost control and all of mankind went out of control. But Jesus came back and he gave us control back of our lives. So now we can walk through this life in control. Dominating. Dominating this life dominating the things of this world rather than having the world dominate and control us. I just like it that way. How about you? You are made for that. You are made to be in charge. You are made to be the boss of your life. So he says, well, no, Jesus is is the boss of my life. Well, yeah, when Jesus is the boss of your life, then you're in control. See, when when you make him the Lord of your life, he gives you control back. He gives you control back and you have that control because of his name, because of his grace, because of his power, because of his strength, because of the Holy Spirit who is with you. We understand we have no control apart from him, but now through him, we have total control. Having Jesus, the Lord of your life, puts you in control. When he's in control over you, you're in control. You're in control because he's not just over you, he's in you. He's not just over you. God's not a tyrant. He's not over you, and I'm your Lord, and you submit to me, and he dominates you. That's not how he works. He's your Lord, and he's in you, working through you. That's Christianity. That's the church, praise God. That's who we are. That's the body of Christ. Don't you love Jesus Christ? We're to be a mirror reflection of Jesus in the earth. That's what we're becoming. I said that's what we're becoming. As we're growing in our knowledge of, as we're um, wiping the mirror. There's a lot of things that 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 fog it up for us. A lot of religious teaching, a lot of traditional stuff, a lot of just bad thinking. Just polluted thinking, the polluted thinking of this world. We get all this stuff. It just clouds, it just clouds our our image of him. And thus our image of ourselves. Because again, we're to be a mirror reflection of him. So we need to wipe the mirror. So praise God. I got my Windex this morning. And I got my rag. And I'm about to clean somebody's window. Somebody's mirror. We're going to get that mirror cleaned up. And folks are going to go, Oh, oh, that's what I look like. Man, oh, man, I didn't know. I look like Jesus. Huh? You know, when you look in the Word of God, you've got to look at it as uh, when you see Jesus, you see yourself. You've got you to do that. That's what he wants you to do. You look in the mirror of the Word of God and you see you see Jesus, you see yourself. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I do. These, these are the kind of things that I do. This is how I talk. This is how I respond to things. This is how I act. See, and that's what we're doing. We're not just reading it and, and just putting Jesus over there. You know, Jesus is over here and he's just isolated from all of us. No, no, no. He became just like us. He became flesh and blood to teach us how to live like children of God. like Sons and daughters of God. He came to, he came to give us that example. So we have that example. So as we see it, we become like it. We become like it. That's what he says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The word is so powerful because as we look into it... You know, you get the Windex out, you get it clean, you clean, clean it, you know, get... So you got to be willing now. you got to be willing to be cleansed from all the stinking thinking. From all the unrighteousness. How does that happen? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins... and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we recognize something's not right... Then he takes out the Windex, or we take out the Windex, and we repent. I repent. And he cleanses us. That Windex cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And when you get cleansed, then you can see clearer. And you can see clearer. And you get greater understanding of the Lord. You get to know him better. And then something happens. Something happens when that happens. And he tells you about it right here in Second Corinthians chapter three. In verse 15. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. There's that veil. There's that smoke screen. There's that that fog, that, that mess that and it's a veil that lies over the heart. Because again, we're not we're not just looking at the word with our heads. We're looking at the word with our hearts. We've, we've come, we're putting our hearts into this this morning, right? We're putting our hearts into the word this morning. And so, so we, there's, there's these veils. There's these things that, that get, in, get in the way of us being able to see clearly what the word of God is actually saying. But verse 15 says, but the veil, but, but verse 16 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So, when you turn from stinking thinking, going the wrong way, when you turn to the Lord, the veil's taken away. All of a sudden, it's, it's, it's clearer. It's clearer now. And what's clear? The word's clear. The image of God is clear. And thus, the image of who we are is clear. Because he goes on, verse 17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So as we're looking at the glory of the Lord, which is looking into the word of God, that's what he's talking about in its context. As we're looking into the word of God, as we turn from the things, we're learning that, that the things that aren't right we're turning from those things, turning from unrighteousness. And then we're looking at the Lord. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord is transforming us. Notice that verse 18. Transforming us into the same image. Everybody say the same image. Same. In other words, what you're looking at, you're being transformed into. That's what he's saying. He's saying, as you're looking at the Lord in the word, you're being transformed into the same image. Well, what image? It's the image of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As we see him, we're becoming just like him. And it's the spirit of God that's doing it. So when you get in the word with your heart and you're looking in there, and you're willing to turn from things that are contrary to the word when you see it. Then the spirit of the Lord transforms you. He transforms you into the thing that you're seeing. Which is Jesus. Which is Jesus. And what does it mean to be transformed? That's not just being changed. That's being, that's being to be transformed really is, is like having a metamorphosis occur. You know like Dr. David Banner? We don't have to go. You know, the Incredible Hulk. A metamorphosis would occur if he got angry. You ever You, ever said, I, <laughs> you know, Doctor David Banner. I don't know. Something happened in a laboratory, and he got bit by something, and radiation got in him, and, and not a true story, but. And uh, whenever he got angry, his eyes would turn green and yellow, and then he'd start busting out of his clothes. And he would turn into the Hulk. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he'd, turn in, he'd turn into the Hulk, you know. And then he would, just, he would be a terror, man. He'd just tear things up. But he usually was a good, he was a good Hulk. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was, he was a mean-looking guy. But he would, take, he would take the bad guys, right? He'd always throw the bad guys. And then he'd go over and rescue the, rescue the good person. <laughs> Carry the good. Then he would start turning back into Dr. David Banner again. Well, that's what happens to us when we get in the Word. We're being transformed. A metamorphosis occurs. A metamorphosis occurs. And, you know, I remember Dr. David Banner. you know, something would happen. Somebody would be messing with him. he go, for God's sake, don't do it. And his eyes would turn green. I'm really having a flashback. Just bear with me this morning. His eyes would turn green, right? <laughs> don't do it. Praise God. I like to say, go ahead, devil, do it. (laughs) Why? Because what's going to happen? The greater one. I said the greater one. Are you in this morning? I'm talking about the greater one who is in you. Praise God is going to rise up and manifest through you as this metamorphosis occurs. As you're transformed. From who you have always been to him. Whoo! Hallelujah! Praise God. Let's get in the radiation of the word. Let the radiation of the word affect you today. Let's, let's get it all over us. Praise God. So this, this kind of thing happens to us. And the radiation of the word is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's a good thing because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is bondage. No, 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 no. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. So this transformation, one of the things we're going to see it doing is causing us to be freer and freer and freer and freer. Freer and freer and freer. That's what's happening when you're being transformed by the spirit of liberty. When he's manifesting through our life, we're getting freer and freer and freer. That's why communism, socialism, all these different things, they're so demonic. They're such the opposite of the spirit of God. Such the opposite. It wants to just dominate people's life and take from people, take control out of people's hands. God's looking to get control into your hands. And yet we still have a lot of socialists in the church. A lot of communists in the church that like to put everything off on God. God's in control. You know, you never know with God. Sometimes he'll kill you. Sometimes he'll save you. Sometimes he'll make you sick. Sometimes he'll heal you. You know, you just never know. He's sovereign. He does whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. You know, and they just, they do all this. And God's like, no, 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 no. God's saying, no, no, take my name. Take my name and drive out the sickness. Drive out the disease. Drive out the works of the devil. Overcome that sin. Overcome that habit. You are an overcomer. You've got my name. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't have to be dominated by anything. I got news you. God's not trying to dominate your life. Making Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, the devil, he's trying to possess you. He would like to take total control of every part of your life. God will never possess you. And people say, oh, God possesses today. He ain't going to do it. I can tell you that right now. He ain't going to do it. God's not in the possessing business. He's in the partnering, partnering business. He'll make a partner out of you. He wants you and him to work together as partners. He wants you and him to walk in agreement together. See alike, think alike, talk alike, act alike. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to be partners with him. The devil's looking to possess you. He's just looking for an opportunity to possess people, trying to take control of their life. He tries to tempt them, bait them into things, and then he gets them to yield enough, and he takes control of their life. He starts taking control of their mind. Next thing, they don't have control over their thoughts. They don't have control over their desires. They don't have control over their feelings. They don't have control. They're just losing more and more and losing more and more control until they're completely possessed. That's the devil's perfect will for everybody's life. But praise God, we're going to walk in God's perfect will, which is to be in total partnership with the Holy Spirit, walking with God. Letting him think through our thoughts, speak through our lips, love through us, touch through us, heal through us, bless through us, advise through us. Come on, strengthen through us. I mean, just do what God does through us. Through us, the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so we go back here to the book of Acts, as we're going to continue in our series this morning, looking at the early church. We're here in Acts chapter four, and just a quick reminder: uh, last time we looked at how the church came together. They had been severely threatened by their persecutors, by the religious leaders, government officials, and uh, and they were in a lot of trouble. It seemed like, and the Bible says when they were let go, they went to their own companions, their own company, and they lifted their voice to God. And the way they began their prayers is a lot different than the way a lot of people pray today. A lot of people just run in there and start complaining and telling, telling God all their problems. But I love what they did. Uh, we see seven things they did. I just want to review them. They're so good that I just want to review them. Seven things. How many people pray? How many people pray every day? All right. So here's a pattern to follow. It's the faith pattern. This is how we pray. It's not a legalistic thing, but this is just what we do because when we're in faith, this is how you, this is how you pray. This is how you're going to do it. You're not going to put the problem above God if you're in faith. You're not going to do that. Which means if you're putting the problem above God, if it's like, you know, God's smaller than the problem, then you're not in faith. So you can make an adjustment and go, wait a second, let me get myself in faith here before I even talk about this. And we can make that adjustment. And so the first thing they did was, number one, they started things off by praising and thanking God. And then, number two, they spoke God's word. They spoke not just their opinions and their feelings. They spoke the promises of God, the word of God. They acknowledged that their problems were God's problem. That really it wasn't about them. It was the enemy was trying to stop the plan and purpose of God in their life. That's really what it's all about. It's not about us. It's about the enemy trying to stop God's purpose and plan. Because we're all about God's purpose and plan for our lives. That's what we're all about. Uh, Number uh, four, they understood it was a spiritual battle that they were in. It wasn't just flesh and blood that they were wrestling with. And same with you and I. And then number five, they sought to advance God's plan, not just their own. Not just themselves. Number six, they asked God not to just do stuff for them. You know, God, fix this, do this, do that. They asked God to work through them. Work through them, not just for them. Because God, when he does things, he doesn't just do things for us. He does things through us. In other words, we've got to cooperate with him. He's, okay, Lord, how are we going to get, everybody say partnership. Lord, how are we going to get this done? What should I do? How would you advise me to handle this situation? Rather than God, oh God, just fix that situation. I just trust you're going to change the whole thing. Thank you very much. I'm going to the beach. Well, thank God for the beach. But nevertheless, let God work through you. Expect God. Pray for God to work through you. That's a great way to get your prayers answered. If you're just telling him to do it, that's a great way not to get anything answered. And then finally, they expected his power to manifest In and through their lives. Healings, signs, wonders, all those things. And they began to experience those things. Now, verse 23 again. It says, And being let go from their persecutors, after having been arrested, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Yeah, I just want to go back to that. I didn't spend too much time on it last time, but how many people know God wants you to have your own companions? He wants you to have your own companions. He wants you to be around folks that believe like you. I don't know about you, but I want to be about around folks that believe like me. If I get into a crisis situation, I don't want somebody praying a little sweetie passive prayer over my life. That's not what I I want. I don't want somebody to say, Lord, if it's your will to heal them. Lord, if it's your will to deliver them. I want folks to know God's will. Because I know his will concerning those things I just mentioned. We need to know uh, God's will concerning these things. I want to be people that are in the know. People that know uh, what's of God and what's the devil. They know the difference. They're not sicking the devil on me thinking, you know, they're sending God. Sending God's blessing into my life, you know. Well, that might be God's blessing in their life, you know, that affliction. God works in mysterious ways, you know. Now, listen, God's not as kooky as you. <laughs> don't put that off on God. Don't put that off on God. See, so I, I don't want to be around uh, that, that kind of praying. I want folks that know their authority. Yeah. That know the name, have, they believe in the name of Jesus. And if I get into a situation, they don't sit there and go, hmm, I wonder what he did wrong. Hmm, I wonder what he did to deserve this. Well, maybe what he did to deserve this was just go ahead and obey God. Because I don't know, in obeying God, uh, sometimes uh, there are attacks against you for wanting to serve God, obeying God. Just like these disciples, they were doing the will of God, and what happened? They ended up in jail. Well, if that was God's will, you know, I mean, I, mean, I mean, if they were doing everything right, they wouldn't have ended up in jail. No, they were attacked by these demon-possessed men. The Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Huh? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Aren't you glad? He doesn't leave you in the hands of the wicked. Praise God. He delivers us out of them all. But there are afflictions. There are trials, there are tests, there, are, there is tribulation. And we understand that. And so when God leads you into his plan, that's not necessarily leading you into a bed of roses. Leading you on, in, in, down a road where there's just no trials and no tests anymore. No, no, no. There's going to be persecution. We know that. If we desire to live godly, we're going to suffer persecution. And, of course, the enemy is going to try to oppose us. The Apostle Paul said in one place, he said, I, uh, time and time again, I tried to come to you, but Satan hindered us. He was hindered by Satan. But, of course, he broke through. He, 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 he overcame all of Satan's assaults and attacks, even a good stoning. Paul even rose up from that. He overcame everything. But yet, he was attacked, he was afflicted, he was persecuted. And we understand, we're going to have trials, we're going to have tests. But thank God, you and I can overcome. So, you know, we got there's still people today that'll judge you when something goes wrong in your life. I'm talking about Christians. Christians will look at you, they go, well, you know, God, you must have done something wrong. We're praying for you, brother. I'm sure, hope you get things right, whatever you did wrong. Is what's under, the underlining thoughts behind there, I'm praying for you, brother. No, I don't want people judging me. I need people believing in me, believing in God in me, and believing the best, and helping me to overcome. How about you? Praise God. Those are the kind of folks I want to be around, and thank God God has set it up that we would have those kind of people around us. Can you say amen? And then that flows into, as we jump down to verse 32, because we covered all the other verses last week. It says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart... And one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Notice this. The multitude. Ever say the multitude? Now, have you know, the church started with 120 believers. 120 disciples of Jesus in an upper room. And if you hold your place and just go back there and look at Acts chapter 2. Notice it says in verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Notice that. One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. We were praying for that. I mean, we were singing that. We were saying that in a worship song here this morning. Let the wind and the fire fall and... Y'all remember that? Were we praying that or just saying that? Were we just singing it? Or were we asking for it? Yeah. Believing we receive it. Yeah. Well, praise God, here we are in the word. And there came from, came from heaven, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice, this all started because of verse 1 says, they were all with one accord in one place. So here, 120 had gotten into into one accord. Of course, these guys, you know, weren't always in one accord. there would always been discord among them. They were always, I'm talking about Jesus' disciples, always, you know, competing with each other. But here, they had gotten into one accord. Hallelujah. And God did incredible things. The power of God was released in such a powerful way. Why? Because there was not one person in there to short-circuit it. Not one person was in there to short-circuit the power of God. Do you know you can short-circuit the power of God? You you could, you could be dead weight and short circuit the power of God by not being in faith. By being in doubt and unbelief. Those things short circuit the power of God. We see that even in Jesus' ministry over in Mark, the sixth chapter. The Bible says Jesus went back into his own hometown where he'd been brought up. Went into the synagogue there. And he began to read the scripture from the prophet Isaiah in their hearing about how he was anointed with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, to heal and to deliver and so forth. And they looked at him with contempt. And they said among themselves, is this not Joseph's son? In other words, who, who does he think he is? Referring to himself as Anointed. this This is Joseph's boy. We grew up with this guy. Who does he think he is? They judged him according to the flesh. They didn't believe in him. And the scripture goes on and says, Jesus could there do no mighty works. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Notice that. Jesus could there do no mighty works. He couldn't do it. Didn't say he wouldn't do it. Said he... Couldn't do it. See, people think God could do anything he wants to do, whatever he wants to do it. That Jesus could do whatever he wants. He's Jesus, he can do anything he wants. He could not do any mighty works in Nazareth, in the hometown where he was brought up, because of their unbelief. Their unbelief literally was like kryptonite to Superman. Yeah, you know, Superman, man, we got the Hulk, we got Superman. Man, God must be grooming superheroes this morning to give this kind of utterance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Next thing we'll be on Batman. I don't know. But anyway, you know, remember Superman, right? You'd get in the presence of kryptonite and he would lose his strength. He'd have no power. That's what doubt and unbelief is to Jesus. it's like kryptonite. It it shut him down. It it hindered him from being able to do any mighty work. He could there do no mighty works. He wanted to. He wanted to. That's why he was there. He went there to do it. But he there couldn't do it. Couldn't. Everybody say couldn't. Not wouldn't. Couldn't. Couldn't do it. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because Because of their unbelief. So you see, unbelief cuts off the power of God. But here, we got an example of a group of folks that are in faith in one accord. What does that look like? What does it look like when you have no unbelief in the room? What what happens? What happens when everybody's in faith concerning the power of God and the name of Jesus? What happens? Man, there's a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. I mean, the glory of God came in there. And here's the really good news about it. It went beyond the 120. Now we're over in chapter 4, verse 32. And he says, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The multitude, thousands of people here are are in one accord. And that's why that power that we saw in Jesus' ministry... It just carried right on over into the early church. They walked in that same power because they walked in one accord. There was unity among them. There was no disunity, no factions, no division. They were perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same heart. Come on, there's hope. There's hope for us today. I believe that's what God's been doing all these years. He's been working and he's been weaving and, and he's been putting together and he's woven together people that will get into one accord, that'll get into one accord. Is there anybody here that does not want to get in one accord? See, I told you. He's, he's brought a group together that want to get in one accord. And, you know, we'll get it started. We'll get it started. We'll all get in one accord while the numbers are, are low. But once we get it, and we walk in that power of the Spirit of God to that degree, we're walking in it, but I'm talking about walking into a much greater degree, then it's going to be contagious. And it's going to be easy to bring the multitudes into one accord as they come to the Lord Jesus. As they come to Him, as they come to us, they just come into one accord because we're in one accord. They don't come into a church where people are, you know... With this group of people, they absolutely love God and love the church and everything. But then they, the next week, they're hanging out. And they go to lunch with these group of people. Sorry, guys. They go to lunch with this group of people over here. These are great people, but I got to use somebody. Up in the balcony. This, those people up in the balcony, they, they, they go up in that balcony, you know, and, they, and then they go out to lunch with those people from the church, and they find out everything is wrong with the church. You know, because that group of people just tells me everything that's wrong in the church, you know, and and how, you know, just things, well, this, you know, I just wish they'd do this and I just wish they'd do that, see? See, then that person is divided. That's right. But here they come, they get saved, they come into the house of God and they're met with a believer full of faith. They're met with another believer full of faith, full of the love of God, hallelujah, in one accord. They meet with another one, they meet with another one. And what happens? They're just immediately in one accord. And thousands and thousands of people are in one accord, And God is moving in the earth in a mighty way, doing the things he wants to do, which are the same works Jesus did and even greater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to be a one accord person? There's lots of uh, things that the Bible says about that. In fact, I'm ministering along these lines on Wednesday evening as well. So it's interesting that this is where we hit on Sunday but the lord is working overtime right now on us to bring us to just to just finalize some things and lock us in so that we are in one accord and he can bring to pass some powerful things in the earth. I'm grateful for everything he's brought brought to pass thus far, but there's even greater things. There's greater things, but we need to be in one accord. You understand? We need that. Uh, Romans chapter 15 says in verse 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. He's a God of patience. How I many you know we need patience? He's patient with us. We need to be patient with us. With ourselves, with one another. We need that patience in order to get in one accord, that he would grant you to be like-minded towards one another. This was a prayer the Apostle Paul prayed by the Spirit of God. It's a prayer we could pray today for each other. That we would be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus. Verse 6, that you may with one mind... And with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, we're talking about the secret to the success and the power of the early church. God wants us to walk in that same success. He wants us to walk in that same power. And here it is, one accord. No divisions. No divisions among us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Of course, this is God's joy. You know, it makes makes the Lord joyful when we are like-minded. We're all thinking alike. And how can we all think alike? Because we renew our mind with the same thing. We renew our mind with the Word of God. And because we're all renewing our mind with the Word... Getting all the opinions out, we're becoming like-minded, and when you're like-minded, it's easy to like each other. It's easy to like people that are like-minded. Praise God! I mean, we need to be nice to everybody. You know, you need to love everybody. You know, I've heard it say, you know, you know, you need to love everybody, not not necessarily like everybody. You know, you might not like you know, like a friend and a buddy, and we're going to hang out together and stuff. Now, I love you. I love the sinners. You know, God so loved the world, you know that that He gave His life for sinners. But they have to repent in order then to come into, the, come into one accord with him. You know, to have fellowship with him. To have fellowship with God, you've got to repent of the sin. It's not like, well, God's just a friend of sinners. There's a lot of people that run around today. God's a friend of sinners. No, he's, he's not a friend of sinners. He's not a friend of sinners. Oh, the Bible says that. Well, yeah, but who said it in the Bible? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was the religious leaders that said he's a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And they were saying it as a negative thing concerning Jesus. They were accusing him of that. No, he was just just reaching out to them. He was just humbly reaching out to help them. He wasn't their buddy. He was looking to bring them into one accord with himself and with God. That's what he was looking to do. And so, it's the same with you and I. You and I are looking to win the world. We love the world, but not necessarily like everybody and like the way they do everything. But... When folks think alike, it's easy to like them. True? Philippians chapter 2, actually Ephesians chapter 4, the latter part of uh, verse 2, it says, Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is something we need to be pursuing Desiring, endeavoring to get it and keep it. We're going to keep unity. We're going to keep this one accord because we want to keep the God's power flowing through our lives. We want to keep God in manifestation in our midst. We're not going to let anything divide us. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 12, it says, Also, the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. Notice that the hand of God, which is the spirit of God or the grace of God coming upon them. The hand of God, the grace of God came upon Judah. And what was the result? It gave them singleness of heart. Cause caused this whole nation to come together in one accord. Now you get in there and you read it, not everybody was in one accord. There were those mockers and everything else. But a good majority of the population of Judah came under that grace, came under the hand of God and thus came into one accord with one another. See, it's, it's, it's the unity of the Spirit. It's a work of the grace of God for us to unite together. We give God the credit for everything. You know, we can't Walk in unity with each other just because we want to do it. Uh, and so, therefore, you know, we're, we, we don't do anything. I'm not going to say anything that's going to offend you. I'm not going to do anything that's going to upset you. No, no, no. That's, that's, not how, that's not how we do it. It's by the Spirit of God. He unites us together. And so, we're going to be doers of the Word of God. And that might offend some people right? You do the Word of God. Sometimes it might offend people. Sometimes it makes some people very unhappy because it's dealing with their sin. It's dealing with their motives. It's dealing with things in their life, you know, that maybe they want to hang on to. So it's not making them very happy and make people feel apart. Well, the way we're going to feel apart is by being a part of God's plan, doing it His way. That's how how we are apart. That's how we become partners with Him. It's not by compromising the Word of God. All right? That would, that would just bring about a superficial unity. But we want the unity of the Spirit. Because that lasts. And that releases God's power in and through our life. Do you believe in God's power? Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. Has it been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire and the power of heaven. Glory to God. Thank God for it a real experience for all of us to have. And so God wants his hand to come on us. And he's, he's doing it. in his patience. He's, he's bringing people together. He's bringing people together. He's bringing, and I believe he's working in other places. There's other companies out there, other churches where God's working. God's working. And I just think, okay, suddenly, suddenly, we're all going to see each other. And then there's going to be this big movement of the body of Christ, all the different body parts all the different companies coming together that yielded to the Spirit of God, cooperated with Him, allowed His hand to work in their life. And you have to allow it. Now, remember the children of Israel being led by Moses, coming out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. I mean, they saw the power of God. He split the Red Sea. Miracle after miracle for them. They got out there in this desert, God's telling them, I got a promised land for you. We're just going to stop here for a few days, and we're going into this promised land. And they just whined, and they doubted, and they complained, and they murmured against Moses. They murmured against Aaron. I mean, division, 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 division. I mean, you know God's hand was working. His grace was there, keeping them alive. But yet, most of those people died in the wilderness because of their doubt and unbelief. Because of their doubt and unbelief. Again, God didn't want them to die in the wilderness. But they did because of their doubt and unbelief. Think about it. God could not get them into the promised land. He couldn't do it. But then after that generation passed away, another generation came on the scene. That Joshua generation. They rose up in faith concerning the word of God. They went into Jericho. And with one voice, with one sound, with one mind. They lifted their voices to God, and they shouted with a great shout. And the walls of Jericho came down flat. Whoo, hallelujah. And they went right in and possessed the land. That's what God was waiting for. He was waiting for some folks that he can get into one accord. That with one voice, they'd lift up a shout that would shake the earth, cause the walls of Jericho to collapse. See, a lot of times folks just look and they just think about how God caused those walls to come down. But they don't think about the fact that God needed a group of people to be in one accord together and to shout, to follow his instructions so that he could bring that to pass. God can't just bring anything he wants to pass. He needs our cooperation. But if we cooperate... If we cooperate, my, 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 hallelujah, all things are possible. All things are possible. Praise God. Turn to somebody and say, you better cooperate. That's exactly right. You better cooperate. Now, don't get divided in strife over that. I've been cooperating. It's you that haven't been cooperating. No, I've cooperated more than you. What have I started? What have I done? Just ruined the whole message, you know. Verse 33, and with great power, whoo, hallelujah, I don't know, I just don't, I have a hard time just reading over stuff like that. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now notice this, this is very important to see this. Look at it again. And with great power, everybody say great power, power. the apostles gave witness. Everybody say gave witness. witness. How many people believe that about the apostles? That they walked in great power. And they gave witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They gave witness. Now notice they are witnesses that He's alive. He is resurrected. And they had great power to prove it. Someone says, yeah, that's right. That's how God used those apostles. It was amazing how God used those apostles. Well, hold your place and look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord Jesus said to more than just the apostles. He said it to the 120 men and women. He said, you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So notice that. Here we see in Acts 4, the apostles. They walked in great power and gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus. A lot of folks just leave it with the apostles. But no, they were just doing what God said all of us can do. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. You shall walk in great power and be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. You say, well, no, he said it it to the 120. Yeah, but then that power came, and Peter stood up and preached to a multitude of people, thousands of people, and he said to them concerning this promise, he said in verse 38 of chapter 2, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you shall receive great power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. For the promise is to you. He's talking to multitudes of people. The promise is to you and your children and to all who are far off as many as the lord our god will call so you see what we see the apostles walking in that's for you and i today we're afar off we're the far we're the far off people it's for us this same resurrection power see that's being a witness of jesus thank god for going around and handing out tracts you know that's a little piece of paper that talks about you know jesus and what he did for you. Thank God for that. And people will leave that. You know What's really sad is when you see a Christian go in and they do a 10 minute prayer around their food at a restaurant. And then at the end they get up and they leave a track as a tip. Now if you want to leave a track at a really good tip, that's great. But to just leave a track in place of a tip, you're more yielding to the devil to hinder that person from getting saved than helping Hello, somebody. You know, see people, some of these Christians, they have these tracks, and it looks like money. It looks like a $100 bill. And then you, you know what I'm talking about. And you, and you fold the thing open, and it talks about these, you know, 10 steps on how to get saved, right? And, it's, and it's, so they, they, put that, they put that as a tip. Wait, a minute, $100 tip. They turn it over. It's a piece of paper. I mean, come on, somebody. I think we're smarter than that, right? I think we're smarter than that. Praise God we are. Praise God we are. No, but that's not just, that's not what being a witness is all about. Being a witness is walking in this power of God to be able to heal and deliver and set people free. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Verse 34. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands, houses, sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things they were, that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. There's a lot we could say about that, but for time's sake, we'll just step right over it. And in verse 36, it says, "And Joses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated Son of Encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it." And brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, most of you know who who Barnabas is. You know, Barnabas became a traveling companion, a missionary with Paul. Paul the apostle. So Paul and Barnabas were apostles. They were apostles. And they walked in tremendous power. But where did Barnabas start? He didn't start out as an apostle. He didn't start out as a prophet. He didn't start out as an evangelist a pastor, or a teacher, or doing something else that, you know, might be highly esteemed in the church world. What did he do? He was an encouragement to people. He gave encouragement to people. He encouraged people. He had a reputation for being an encourager. They they called him son of encouragement. They actually changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. A son of encouragement. Are you a son of encouragement? A daughter of encouragement? Bible says over in Hebrews 3 or 4, it says that we're to exhort one another daily, encourage one another daily while it's called today. Man, that's where it starts. Loving each other, caring about each other starts with encouraging one another. So let's have an encouraging word for some folks today. Let's encourage one another. Let's say things to each other that build one another up. Not just to their face, but even in prayer. Even behind their back. I mean, let us just have a reputation for encouragement. How many people know people need encouragement? People need your encouragement. They need to hear a good word. How many people know there's so many bad reports out there? And I got news for you. You know, we got people around us here this morning. And everybody, by the way, you all look great this morning. I just want you all to know that. You just, you look fantastic. But we know that people can be going through some pretty severe trials and tests. And so, don't just think, oh, everybody's great. You know, I'm the only one with problems. Nobody has problems like me. You know, I look around this church, and nobody has any problems. I'm the only one with the problems. You know, that's just not true. And instead of just thinking about your problems, why don't you go ahead and encourage somebody else? Encourage them, because you'll find by encouraging them, it'll help you overcome your problems. Hallelujah. It'll build you up. It'll strengthen you up. I mean, I'm getting a lot of help this morning. I mean, if none of you get anything, which I know you're getting a lot, but if none of you get anything, I'm going out of here totally encouraged. I'm going out, I'm telling you, I'm going out of here this morning totally edified, totally strengthened, totally refreshed. I'm going out of here happy. My faith has been strengthened, praise God. And what have I done? I've yielded to the Spirit of God to help you. See what I'm saying? Help other people. And many times as you're helping them, your answer comes out of your own mouth. How many times that happened? I've seen people, even ourselves, you're going through something. And somebody's coming along that has the exact same problem. And you start ministering to them because you want to help them, you know. You see? And you start ministering. And as you're ministering to them, it's like, this is everything I need right now. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're talking to them. It's everything you need right now. Yeah. Praise God. Let's encourage one another daily. You just never know. Uh, you know, there could be somebody in this room today. It's the last day you'll see them. Maybe their hearts are growing hard. Oh, no, not, 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 uh, not Martha over here. She, she, she says hallelujah the loudest. Well, she could be covering up her hurt, the greatest. She could, or, or she could be just desperate, and she could be hanging on by a thread going, Hallelujah! And that thread's about to snap with, what, with the kind of week she's got ahead of her. But then you step in and you turn that thread into a rope. Praise God. You strengthen her. You strengthen that person in their faith. And you don't even know it. But you may have saved their life. You may have saved their eternity. You may have saved their faith. Come on. I mean, we just don't know. Encourage people. People are being messed with. People are dealing with stuff. Encourage one another every chance you get. Hallelujah. Let us be known as a church that's in one accord. We got one mind and with one mouth, we're glorifying God, praising God, and encouraging one another. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you stand on your feet with me this morning? Let's thank the Lord for the word.
0: That concludes this message.